Welcome into the program from Gigam 247 uh, Sports, uh, Jeff Tarpley. Jeff, good morning. How are you, buddy? It may be Friday for you guys, but I'm working tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> with uh, with any spring game, so I'm going to have a pretty busy day. Okay, so uh, tom- so tomorrow is the game then, right? Yes, tomorrow is the game. The 15th, technically, is the 15th workout of the spring for the A's. What what are what are you looking for uh, in, in in the game? I mean, what's what's the big what's the big question mark for the Aggies, and and what are you looking to see if if they get got it resolved in those first fifteen? They've had so many guys sit out the spring due to injuries. Not just, you know guys that got injured last year had surgery, still kind of recovering. They've had guys get nicked up. You know, you're, it's going to be a very uneven level of play tomorrow. I think the main thing that everybody, not just myself, is going to be watching is what happens at the quarterback spot because while you've got Haynes King, who is technically the returning starter at the position, and you've got LSU transfer Max Johnson, both of whom have been quality players there, uh, Connor Wigman is the guy that's really caught everybody's attention because according to people we've talked to, uh, he, he just doesn't look like a freshman and he, he, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes when he does. He, he, he gets over them very, very quickly. He's poised. He's got the quickest release of the three. And so he's just kind of taken everybody by storm because while they expected this to be a two man battle, Wigman has, has been good enough. That everybody sit, you know, everybody sitting there going, well, you know, is the future now? I mean, we really don't know that. We'll get a better idea of it tomorrow, perhaps, uh, when all three of them come out there. But I think that's going to be the main thing that everybody's watching because we've just heard so much about him, and everybody's anxious to see what he can do in front of the fans at Cal Field. Can any one of those three quarterbacks solidify anything tomorrow afternoon, or do you think this is just? a formality, and it'll be decided in the fall who's going to take the reins. It'll go until August. And Jimbo Fisher said in his press conference this week, this is just another another step in the road to him making that decision. And also keep in mind, too, Fisher always says that whoever gets the starting nod, it's not just him making the decision. It's the players making the decision. And as Fisher says, you know when you know. In other words, when everybody sits there and kind of goes, hey, this is the, you know, he's not just playing well, but this is a guy who we have confidence in, who we want to go to battle with. That's when you'll know. But that will be August, most definitely. That's interesting. We've been talking a lot because obviously Baylor's got a quarterback battle going on as well. Um, When teams now, are they going to have to make – are you expecting when you see position battles, more and more coaches wait until the fall to announce a decision to alleviate some of the, the pressure of some of these guys bouncing early? I, I think that's particularly true at the quarterback spot. I mean, if you remember last season, A&M did the same thing. They went into the fall before making a decision. And as a result, when – no matter what you think about Zach Calzada's level of play last season, having him around at least enabled A&M to have some type of floor at the position that they were able to go out. They were still able to win eight games, not just despite losing their starter at the position, but I counted it up after the season was over with. They had 15 players go down and miss over 100 player games last year total. 
I mean, I've never, I've never seen that. I've, I've followed A and M football for fifty years, covered it for nearly twenty five. I mean, that's just, that's just ridiculous. And but at least he was able to give the team some continuity, do some of the things he needed to do to at least enable A and M not just to win eight games, but more importantly to beat Alabama at home and start them on the road to recruiting the number one class in the country. What position needs the most improvement for this Aggie football team? On the offensive side, I think A&M definitely needs to get better quarterback play. Uh, Calzada's issues weren't all his own, but you know what? When you rank 12th in the SEC in passer rating, I think that's kind of self-explanatory that you've got to get you got to get better there. But also, there were a lot of other issues on the offensive side of the ball where. A&M didn't rank very highly per whatever metrics you want to use. Uh, two of the places I go, SEC, StatCat, uh, Pro, you know, PFF, and A&M needs to get better play out of the uh, left tackle position. Uh, they definitely need to keep the receiving core healthy and get bigger plays out of them. I think they're all, you know, despite the in- injuries that, they've had that caused a lot of their receivers to miss the spring. Uh, Evan Stewart, the early enrollee five-star freshman, he's been a guy that they've been able to get the ball to on the move, in space, and he's really been dynamic with it in his hands. Uh, It's not been a case of where he's actually beating people down the field for for deep throws, but rather where he's taking passes, uh, you know, at the second second level of the defense, and he's he's making people miss, and he's doing things with the ball in his hands. So I think that's a nut, you know. Now, yesterday at practice, he had on a yellow jersey, so which typifies no contact or that kind of thing. So it'll be real interesting to see if, if he plays. So places like left tackle, wide receiver, and, and quarterback, I think, are where m- most people are going to be seeing what the Aggies are able to do tomorrow at Calfield. Jeff, you brought up recruiting, and I guess that's the elephant in the room there. I thought it was hilarious yesterday. You saw I saw a stat out there where A&M signed more. I believe they signed eight five-stars, which was more than the ACC and the Big Ten both signed across the board. And I know Jimbo was on Paul Feinbaum yesterday, and he was talking about it, and there's been a lot of hate going their direction. Is this one of those things where Jimbo and the team has kind of been bracing that everybody's against them? I don't know that that they're embracing it as much as they understand that if you win, uh, you become the villain. Or if you do something well, you become the villain. And especially if you do it well to the standpoint that you that you do it at a record-setting pace. I mean, A&M's class, 2022 class, wasn't just the best in the country. According to 24-7 Sports Composite, it was the best of all time. And one of the analogies I made on the board yesterday was in the 80s and 90s when A&M rose and won six conference titles in 10 years and beat Texas uh, nine out of 10 of those years – A&M was very much a hated school. You know, A&M's always, A&M's always been a little different. There's the Aggies and, and, you know, all the traditions and that kind of thing that, that people, you know, some of them are held against A&M. But, you know, dating back to the days, Jackie Sherrill was a really, really polarizing figure. And while A&M was winning all, all those championships, they were also going on probation twice. It was like, well, you can't win if you're not cheating. So I've, I've lived through all that before, 
and it just comes with the territory. And I think people sit there and ask them about it because there's, you know, everybody, you know, there's such wailing and gnashing of teeth and that kind of thing. But again, when you're good, really, really good at something, when you're record setting at something, when you're dominating at something, people transfer their dislike onto you, directly onto you. And I think that's something that we're seeing at A&M. So it's not much as bracing as just A&M has to prepare for those types of feelings from all aspects of the college football community, not just fan base. With all that being said, when does the heat turn up on Jimbo Fisher? He, he just, he just, you know, extended, extended that contract for a decade. So, I mean, he's not going anywhere. They've, they've got a significant financial contribution toward him. Uh, but forgetting those two aspects for a minute, you know, Fisher has helped A&M put in place a, the ability to recruit the top class in the country, and they've been recruiting well. People, people make a big deal about this class. It's not like A&M hadn't recruited well before. It's not like A&M didn't bring in three straight top ten classes before this one. So Fisher is just – he's a very personable guy. He's very, very organized. He knows exactly what to do. He's experienced. And when you combine that with everything else he brings to the table, he's his own head coach. He's his, his own general manager, player personnel director, uh, offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterbacks coach. He coordinates the special teams. And he even said in press conference in December when, when defense coordinator Mike Elko left, he's like, hey – this is you know, we're we're going to run the defense. We got a system. We're going to run our system on on defense. So he has his hands in everything. And guess what? He's really really good at it. A and M did go eight and four last year. I'm going to come back to this point. They had over 100. They lost over 100 player games to injury. That is an absolutely devastating amount. And at one point, A and M had had three players in the same positions that they played in the 2020 Orange Bowl in the Arkansas game. They had three different offensive line combinations during the Arkansas game. Even at the LSU game at the end of the year, uh, Anaya Smith was a starting slot. He's banged up. The two wideouts are second and, and second and third unit players. Uh, you know, so it was just because of all that. So I think if A&M can stay healthy and if they can figure out what to do at the quarterback spot – this is going to be an excellent program. There's no doubt about it. As Jackie Sherrill, you know, and Fisher could use this phrase, the same one that Jackie Sherrill said after SMU mopped the floor with A&M uh, in 82 at Texas Stadium. He said, hey, better get your lips in now because someday we're going to be awesome. And with all this recruiting that A&M is doing, just like Sherrill did back in the day, you can see it coming. Jeff, uh, uh, the rosters dropped yesterday for the Aggie Legends game. Talk a little bit about what this means for the fans and, and what it's like to sit there and have that, the, those guys come back on Kyle field and just kind of get everybody involved with it. Well, I think it's, it, it's interesting because it's a chance to see Johnny Manziel throw it around again. And, and Manziel brought A&M fans such great memories during his tenure. Uh, but not only that, you've got a lot of these guys who not only gave and them a lot on the field during their careers, but they've continued to do so off the field in, in, in the way they carry themselves. And it's just kind of funny to see them, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're older, they're graying, that kind of thing. 
Uh, one of the participants is Scott Slater. That name's not going to mean anything to you guys, but the thought of, of Scott Slater, who was a kicker during his time at A&M playing in a flag football game, is actually kind of amusing. Uh, and so you, you get to see these guys, and you're, it, it just remind, it, it just brings back good memories for everyone, not just on Menzel, but for everybody else, of what these guys did. And not only that, but what they've done in their lives after they left the playing field. A lot of them have made significant contributions, which not only reflect well on themselves, but on A&M as a whole. Jeff, uh, kind of get us up to date on uh, on Aggie baseball. 18-11 and 11 overall, 5-5 five and five in the league. This is a team that Jim Schlossnagel comes in from TCU. He's kind of rebuilding. Uh, I, I don't know if you're rebuilding, reloading. He's, he's, he's changed over a lot of things. He's getting a foundation in place to be able to make A and M a contender. They're not. They're, they're not. It's pretty obvious they're not going to be this, there this year. But he's very, very organized. A lot of people don't know this about him. He's very, very organized. He's very, very good with pitchers. He's very, very good at getting assembling a staff and getting the type of people in place to enable him to win a lot of baseball games. And I think this year has been more about that than anything else as opposed to what their record on the field is going to be. And as a result, as you could kind of see with uh, Fisher a few years ago when he got to College Station, Fisher came in and just started doing things, and you're sitting there going, hey, we haven't seen anyone do this before. He's doing things the right way, and we've seen this at other places, and we just haven't seen this in College Station. I think you're seeing the same thing out of Schlossnake this year. Very promising future there for a and baseball. What do you got uh, What do you got coming up on uh, Gig'em 247? A significant recruiting weekend for the Aggies. Uh, Brian Baroni, Andrew Hattersley always do a great job of covering recruiting, letting you know who's coming in for the spring game what the outlook is on all of A&M's targets because A&M may be done with 2022. They've been involved in the 2023 recruiting class for a while. Uh, I'm going to have a write-up today on, hey, this is, you know, just some things we'd like to see out of the spring game. And, you know, I've already done a couple of VIP pieces for members only, one on uh, on what's going on at the wide receiver spots, which I think the way they're using some of these guys, given the injuries they've had, the way they're trying to get Evan Stewart involved in the offense, because this is a guy who he's a difference maker. You just watch him in workouts. It's just different. Uh, He hadn't had anybody like him. Uh, With all due respect to everybody else they've had come through the program spot, hadn't had anybody like him. You know, wrote a piece on, hey, here's a lot of stuff. Here's what we've heard about the quarterback battle. Here's a lot of what we're going to see. So it's all spring ball. And then we'll move on from that, uh, you know, after the game is over Saturday. So people are more than welcome to join us. we got a great community, great riders, and uh, looking forward to tomorrow's game as well as what goes forward from there. Hey, Jeff, thanks. Appreciate your time. Uh, that is Jeff Tarpley from Gigum 247 Sports.